Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, the OpenAI CEO is stepping down. Microsoft is taking shots at NVIDIA where it actually hurts. We'll get into more detail on that. Tesla is facing some harsh pushback by on many fronts, actually. We'll get into a lot of details on that. And EU regulations are changing a lot of software platforms, and it's coming sooner than you think. All that and more come today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Norris. This is the Eyes on Takai. I'm Eagle Falcon. I was, I'm not going to lie. In the middle of doing, doing that, I was half debating. Do I go ahead and go slowly? Or do I just kind of let it all blend together like a smoothie? Clearly, you noticed the way I took it. Speaking of blending... Can we just blend all of meta? I mean, not, not the people. The people are fine, but they do need different jobs. The company meta is quite possibly doing one of the dumbest things I've ever seen a company do. Do you know what it is? What could meta possibly do that could be dumber than anything else they've done? They're going to Congress and asking Congress to go ahead and pass legislation to make everyone's lives easier. No, bad. So here is what meta, I want to remind you, this is meta saying this. Okay. If you don't know who meta is, First off, I want to know where you live. And I want to mark down that general area as a perfect vacationing spot for when I actually want to unplug from the world and forget everything. Zone in chat said under a rock. I want the location of that rock. Because that rock has, is so remote from the world, you don't know what meta is, which is very impressive. Sometimes you just need to get away from it all. And it's increasingly difficult to do. <laughs> anyway, as someone in the chat saying, no, it's my rock. Why are you asking me to dox myself? Back to the point at hand. The headline from Meta's own newsroom. And I want to stress this. This is not some other terrible verge quality news outlet coming up with this headline. This is from meta itself, which by the way, their newsroom is still about .fb.com. FB being short for Facebook. I thought you were meta now. I thought we were trying to get away from that whole toxic Facebook word. Oh yeah. I should explain what meta is. Meta is Facebook, by the way. 
feel like that's an important thing to note here. The headline is, parenting in a digital world is hard. Congress can make it easier. There are very few things in this world. There are very few things, I shouldn't say in this world. There's very few things in the country of the United States of America that Congress can make easier. Most of the time, whenever Congress gets involved in anything because of the absolute, completely toxic cesspool that is American politics, whatever the end result is, is never something that makes anyone happy. Most of the time. I admit, though, there are a handful of times where this mentality is proven wrong and everyone is better off for it. But to go out and just straight up ask for federal regulation for parenting in a digital world? Oh, no. The last time Congress tried to go ahead and intervene in the digital world, it was with something I forgot about. But beyond that, when you have Congress get involved, you end up with things like the DMCA. You get things that benefit some giant corporate conglomerate, and the average person ends up having to dance around everything like they're stuck in the middle of a minefield. But you know what? Let's go ahead and see what Facebook has to say. Their entire takeaway in all this. This is their notes on their actual page. Takeaways. As an industry, we should come together with lawmakers, create simple efficient ways for parents to oversee their teens' online experiences. Legislation is needed so all apps teens use can be held to the same standard. I want to point out the irony in this sentence, that legislation is needed so all apps teens use are on the same standards. You are talking about... You know, Facebook, the owners of Instagram, the app that has been on Capitol Hill several times now because medical studies showed that Instagram has been causing mass amounts of teen depression. But let's move on, shall we? And then finally, their last point in takeaways is Parents should approve their teens' app downloads, and we support federal legislation that requires app stores to get parents' approval whenever their teens under 16 download apps. Here's what I want to know. Okay, Facebook. How on earth is that going to be enforced? Just think for like 
five seconds. Okay. How is anything short of a complete dictatorship or China going to enforce that? You literally, not figuratively, literally cannot enforce that here in the United States without it being absolutely sued to flipping hell and back. has been unconstitutional. Now, I do agree that parents should, in fact, keep a closer eye on how their kids are using their electronic devices. There are tons of incredibly sketchy things on the internet trust me i've been around the internet a lot lot longer than i care to admit like i almost want to say since its inception but that's not quite true you could find tons of things and Parents should be concerned with what their kids are seeing on the internet. All right. And quite frankly, there are in fact ways on devices to control those sort of things, but they could be better. But here's my last point. How the heck is Facebook involved in this? Like, seriously. This seems like more something up the alley of getting Apple involved or Google involved or Microsoft involved. The people who are actually, you know, creators of some of the biggest platforms that are used today. All Facebook has is socially acceptable 4chan. How else would you summarize up the, the zest pool that is frickin' Facebook or the zest pool that is Instagram? I'm sorry, Facebook, but for you to come out and try to push for this sort of stuff, I, I, I gotta know, all right? Who has a pitchfork at your butt and is telling you to say this? Because between all the times that Meta has been at the Senate floor or at the Congress floor, going ahead and asking questions, answering questions about this, that, and the other thing, someone is pushing for this. Someone in chat says it's probably the investors. I think it's more likely it's lobbyists and activists. 
I think it's a bit more political than just straight up investors trying to push for this. Because here's the thing. All investors care about is the is the bottom how big is the bottom line? How many digits is the bottom line? And is the bottom line red or black? If this is an investor push, the investor should go ahead and focus, look at Meta and say, you see that Metaverse thing? Stop that! Stop it! Stop dumping money in that money fire! That's where investors' minds are! Does the Metaverse even have legs yet? I know that was teased. I haven't heard yet if the metaverse even has legs in it yet. Someone in chat says investors aren't always smart. It's true. Investors aren't always smart, but you know what? Investors can tell the difference between a black number and a red number. Investors also look very, very short term. And very, very short term, there's a big red number on fire that is the metaverse. I want to know how strong that Facebook Kool-Aid is. In either case, this will be interesting to, to see. See where this ends up going. All right. I'll just say this. I'm not even going to bother reading out on this the entire how many paragraphs is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven paragraph article posted up by Meta about how parents don't parent. Here's what I will say. What they're trying to propose here is not enforceable and is not a solution. And this dialogue should be taken to the platform holders. If you want to get federal force involved, fine. I'd recommend against it. I'll show you why I recommend against it in a bit. But just Facebook going to Congress and saying, you know, I think parents should parent better and there should be regulations so parents can parent better is like an arsonist saying, you know, we should do something about forest fires. It's, it just comes off really, really strangely. <sighs> but I mean, if you need a fresh reminder as to the hellscape that is federal regulations in the internet, I just want to give you this little headline just real quick. All right, just real quick. 
Google sues people who weaponize the DMCA to remove rivals search results. The DMCA, one of the biggest pieces of federal regulation regarding the way digital media is handled, was being used to take down search results on Google that directly affected the perpetrator's business. So for example, and this has been going on for an absurdly long time, Imagine people were taking down, were just filing out false DMCA, false DMCA copyright strikes or takedown notices, I should say. That's the correct term in this. We're just saying DMCA strike because that was the term pretty much idle, I, I made iconic by YouTube. But no, the actual term is DMCA takedown notices. For over 600,000 URLs. And it was all done just because, well, they're doing better than me. And, well, poof. I want them gone. Google is finally doing something about this and actually filing lawsuits against all of these bad actors. First off, YouTube, what took you so long? Second, holy cow, that's a lot of URLs. And third, I knew it was bad, but holy cow. And fourth, remind me again why uh, why having Congress get involved with uh, digital parenting is a good thing? When you have things like the DMCA? Someone in chat says that 600,000 600, URLs actually sound small. Thing is, though, is that that's just recent. That's just the recent wave. Yeah, over what time frame? There's the real question. Let's actually see what it is. Another 500,000 URLs were targeted over Google. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see if Ars Tech actually has the actual... Over the past few years. I'm actually surprised over a few years that it didn't go up to a million. Now, granted. That's not. The number could be much higher. All right, let's also get that down. That's just the ones that are being perpetrated by at least 65 Google accounts. Just a friendly reminder. The DMCA is fun. It's a flawless piece of legislation. Now, let's instead uh, 
I'm, I'm a little too depressed now. Let's go ahead and just turn our focus to the other side of the pond. Not that pond, the other one, the West Pond, the one that's actually big. I want to talk about Australia. Because Australia had a problem. Their ports were closed. And they have now reopened after they suffered a cyber attack. That is horrifying, by the way. All, uh, how many Australian ports? Like, is this all of them? Major ports handling 40% of Australia's freight trade have resumed operations <laughs> where they were three, where they were shut down for three days after crippled by a cyber attack. If you ever think for a moment that cyber attacks are just stealing passwords and whatnot, oh no, 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 no. Never forget. Cyber attacks can do incredible damage outside of the internet. Never, ever forget that. I mean, just think about, that's 40 percent. Yeah, someone in chat reminds us of the uh, pipeline ran ransoms. Yeah. That was great. This one was just 40% of all freight. All, I don't think you understand that, all right? 40% of all freight, all cargo, food, supplies, anything that goes on a store shelf, 40% of it could not come into Australia. 40% of basically everything. could not go into the island nation at all. Can you imagine how many kangaroos with, went without boxing gloves? The horrors. The horrors. All right, kangaroo jokes aside, that actually is still, I mean, just imagine a gro imagine going to your grocery store. and seeing 40% of it empty. You might not even have to imagine it that hard. It was only, what, four years ago, three years ago, <laughs> that we had, that that was real. Never underestimate those sort of cyber attacks. And keep in mind, it's going to take them a while after that to even catch up because now you have three days where you basically weren't able to do anything. It's going to take you a week to get caught up. So you're going to be out of commission for even longer. New reports have come out regarding SanDisk. SanDisk is showing some problems. And they found the problem. 
It's faulty manufacturing. A large number of SanDisk external hard drives, which I assume are SSDs, and they're just generally using the word hard drive. Well, this is also a, originally a German article from uh, Future Zone that has been automatically translated. So there's going to be some little this and that. But apparently external SSDs were having faulty capacitors that were failing very early into their lifespan and data on the SSDs were, well, they would say lost, but the more effectively is to say they're trapped. All right, because here's, here's the thing, right? All right, I, I'm holding here in my hand that you can't see because this is an audio podcast, an SSD, okay? If I go ahead and cut off these gold pins on the bottom of this SSD, which is how this SSD is read by a computer, the data that's on this SSD is still there, but you have no way to read it. Effectively, the same sort of thing is happening to these, except it's just a bit more internal. The data can still get off it. It just needs to go to a specialist at that point. But this is a huge blow to SanDisk now. Because let's be honest, if I need to go ahead and increase the amount of storage I had because I have a data hoarding problem and a massive clip backlog that I really need to get on top of, how am I going to go ahead and, I mean, if I'm going to go ahead and get more SSDs to increase the size of my storage array, who am I going to go with? I'm not going to go to SanDisk, that's for sure. They just had a whole kerfuffle about a large number of SSDs just die within a week of their use. Even if I go ahead and let's pretend I get, I get another 2U 24 bay flipping server and then load them up so I can have up to, I have like, fit, uh, like three layers of fail safes on there. I'm still not going to go ahead and use faulty drives. It's terrible. Zone and chat says they've never trusted Sandus for anything outside of small scale portable media storage. But that's the thing. That's what this is, is external drives. And like, if they're messing up an external, they're talking about external SSD drives. So they're basically those bigger thumb drives that are, you know, like the set actually about this size now. If they're messing up external SSDs, which is just a thumb drive on steroids. Are you even going to trust them with a thumb drive? Heck, I'm working right now. I'm actually working on a lot of things for the stream, but one of the things I'm working on right now is redoing my entire music library for the stream. I have all the music 
that I need to curate and decide what I am and am not going to keep on a 64 gigabyte uh, flash drive. I don't know who made that. I don't know who made that flash drive. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little concerned because I got to make sure that all that curated data now has a backup because if that's a SanDisk drive and that dies, whew, that is a lot of work that is now suddenly gone. But also, if you ever want to know why whenever someone asks me what kind of external hard drive to use, I always recommend some massive overkill solution. This, this is why right here. Because let's pretend you went ahead and actually used just an external SSD, all right? What if it was a SanDisk one before all this came out? And then it just suddenly died. Oh, it's all gone. I mean, Grant, I say all this, and actually I lost all the data that was on uh, Remder for a while because uh, the backplane died, and it wrote a whole bunch of gibberish over it. Which is also why I should have a backup of that. I really do need to work on that at some point. All right, rather than rip on everyone's data practices, let's take a break right here. And when we come back, the PlayStation Portal, it's out. Let's talk about how amazing of a solution this thing is for something. I don't know who, though. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Good news, everyone. The PlayStation Portal is now out. So if you are lucky enough to have a $500 PS5, you now are able to spend $200 and play the PS5 anywhere within your apartment or house. Assuming your Wi-Fi is actually decent. All right, we talked about this device when it was first announced. It is now real and uh, spoiler alert. It is still terrible. <laughs> it, it's still terrible. And here's some other bad news. It has not aged better. So what the PlayStation Portal is, for those who don't know, it is a streaming gaming device that needs to connect to your PS5, but it only has Wi-Fi built into it. Okay. So, someone in chat says it's a non-portable switch. Oh no, it's worse because the controller sides don't come off. Second, it does no on-device compute at all, period. And on top of all that, just for an additional middle finger to everything you love, 
it also cannot connect to any sort of wireless headset. It has to connect via Sony's proprietary wireless standard. So you have to use Sony's own in-house PlayStation earbuds so that you can play on the go within your own home. Someone in chat asked, does it have a headphone jack? I don't think it does, but I'm not 100% sure. I am now going to scramble through all of the pictures. It doesn't, it, it, they don't say, it doesn't show a picture of it. Polygon had one job. You cannot find the word headphone jack anywhere on the article or just headphone in general. I'm actually, I'm now trying to quickly find, find, see, see if anyone has this. Any pictures of this thing? Uh, so far the answer looks like no, there is no headphone jack, which makes this even worse somehow. This already didn't have a high chance of being great. And it just looks so much worse. I want to also just like bring this up in the context of just where this sucker fits in, in the modern era. All right. Right now in there is no headphone jack. I couldn't see the top before. I can now see it. There is no headphone jack. I see a power button. I see a speaker. I see a mute button. I see a volume up, volume down button. Yeah, there's no headphone jack on this thing. The controller has a headphone. The actual PS5 controller has a headphone jack. The PS portable does not. Incredible. Look, for two, if you are in the market and have a big enough home that you can justify spending $200 to play your PS5 games anywhere within your home, good for you. You are part of the 1% of the market that this might be for. But for anyone else, they're just going to go ahead and they're going to get like a Switch Mini 
or whatever that what was it called uh switch light was that the 200 dollar one they're gonna get something like a switch light they will probably go ahead save a bit more and ponder something a bit higher end there is still the steam deck out there which just got an update the lowest end version is going to is 400 bucks it's double this but it can actually play its games anywhere as opposed to this there's of course the new ROG allies that just came out there's the legion go that just came out there's t the space right now of portable gaming is greatly starting to expand and it's all thanks to valve pushing out of their comfort zone and actually kind of paving the way for this kind of portable handheld gaming space that previously was pretty much dominated by nintendo exclusively with their various game boys But for 200 bucks, I just don't see a whole lot of people wanting this. Someone in chat says, I'm not saying the device is great at all, but once again, Eagle neglects the fact that some dads and kids would want something like this. So they could still play games when the TV is connected to the PS5 and otherwise unavailable. But for 200 bucks... Almost half the cost. It's 200 bucks. And then you need the he heads. <laughs> then you need the earbuds with another hundred to even get audio out of it without going through the freaking little ear slit speakers on the top. It's half the cost of the PS5 right there. That's a that's an incredibly hard sell. And then on top of all that, even in that same sort of environment, all right, the parent that wants to go ahead and play the PS5 while their kids are on the TV. What if the kid turns on the PS5? Or what if the kid wants to go play the PS5? That's, that's it for the device. You're now either going to A, say you say no PlayStation or B, get kicked off your portal. They only had to do a few tweaks to this. Okay. The part that slays me the most about this two hundred dollar device someone in chat actually jokingly says get a chromebook for games i'm gonna regret saying this because someone's gonna take this out of context the chromebook is better for this 
than the frickin' PlayStation Portal. Because the PlayStation Portal doesn't, it doesn't have access to Sony's cloud service. That's like the one thing they needed to do. And all of a sudden, this device becomes way more justified. Because otherwise all you're doing is using your PlayStation as basically a server. And the moment anyone goes ahead and hits a button and turns it off, I just accidentally ejected the disc out of my PlayStation instead of turned it off because they didn't mark it. Why, why did they put the eject button and the power button on this, like side by side, and then have them unmarked on the first gen PS5? I don't get that. Anyway. Folks, I'm just going to tell you this, right? Th this device, unless major software updates are done, this is going to go nowhere. And there could have been so much potential and almost all of it was missed. I'm just, I'm sure someone can talk themselves into with enough loops to convince themselves they need this device. I'm sure someone out there can figure it out. And in pretty much every single thought I've had about this thing, there is a better device out there for either a little more, a little less, or roughly about the exact same price. That and also, I am still not a fan of the, of the white controller thing, all right? Like, I don't know how well it's going to show up on the camera that you can't see because it's an audio-only audio podcast, but man, the back of the controller is getting, like, discolored because it's this textured, matte, freaking white finish on this controller, and it just collects so much schmutz, and I can't get it off. I'm going to have to, like, take the controller apart and, like, bleach it or something. This is absurd. Just, ugh. Anyway, let's move on to a different topic. The topic of open AI. Yeah, we're going to get into AI. This is going to be fun and exciting, isn't it? How, ma how many people are excited about AI? How many people just love AI? And can't wait to see what other wonders and magnificent things are going to happen in the AI world. I'm sure everyone, right? Every everyone's just super stoked and isn't sick about hearing AI at all. Well, I have something for you. That's gonna change a lot and gonna make you question a lot of things. Are you ready for this? Open AI, all right? The creators of ChatGPT and the company that is basically single-handedly 
helped push AI to the point of being the buzzword that has been pretty much the buzzword of all of 2023. OpenAI has just lost their CEO. This is really, this is really interesting. Sam Altman, the former CEO of OpenAI has stepped down and the current chief technology officer, Mira Murati, which I have most likely mispronounced, has been appointed to the interim CEO of OpenAI. The actual statement for OpenAI reads as follows. The board of directors of OpenAI Incorporated, the 501c3 that acts as the overall governing body for all OpenAI activities, today announces that Sam Altman will depart as CEO and leave the board of directors. Mira Murati, the company's chief technology officer, will serve as interim CEO effective immediately. A member of OpenAI's leadership team for five years, Mira has played a critical role in OpenAI's evolution into a global AI leader. She brings a unique skill set, understanding the company's values, operations, and business, and already leads the company's research, product, and safety functions. Given her long tenure and close engagement with all aspects of the company, including her experience in AI governance and policy, the board believes she is uniquely qualified for the role and anticipates a seamless transition while it conducts a formal search for a permanent CEO. Mr. Altman's departure follows a deliberative review process by the board, which concludes that he was not consistently candid in his communications with the board, hindering its ability to exercise its responsibilities. The board no longer has confidence in his ability to continue leading open AI. Let me interject. You knew from the get-go of this statement, this wasn't looking good for the previous CEO. Like there's always two different kinds of the CEO has departed. There is, we appreciate the work that the previous CEO did, but it's time for us to move on, which usually means that the previous CEO just wants to retire, is looking for greener pastures, or just has other ventures to go to, or there's the, we appreciate their work, but we're just going to go ahead and uh, move on from them. This is in the latter and is in such a way that they, the third paragraph in, they just basically professionally gaslight Sam Altman. You don't see that anymore. When was the last time a CEO of any company was just basically the board just said straight up, we have no faith in this jag. Get him out of here. Even, even unity 
who had a CEO that basically crashed that company into a brick wall with the amount of greed they had for their runtime policy. Even they didn't give out a press release that basically gaslit them. I have no idea what this guy did to absolutely push OpenAI to say, yeah, no, get rid of this guy right now. But it does raise a lot of questions, especially since ChatGPT and OpenAI in general basically seem pretty much is just like the AI company and basically is virtually completely owned by Microsoft. Are we going to start seeing OpenAI move away from that? Is that the reason? Is the fact that Sam Altman has basically sold OpenAI's soul to Microsoft the reason that Sam Altman has been basically forcefully ejected? The statement does continue. I don't know how much more we're going to read to it, but eventually it's just going to get to a point of being... Yeah, I can already see like the last three things here, but we'll, we'll get to the rest of it. In a statement, the board of directors said OpenAI was, a, was deliberately structured to advance our mission to ensure that artificial general intelligence benefits all humanity. The board remains fully committed to serving this mission. We are grateful for Sam's many contributions to the founding and growth of OpenAI. At the same time, we believe new leadership is necessary as we move forward. As the leader of the company's research product and safety functions, Mira is exceptionally qualified to step into the role of interim CEO. We have the utmost confidence in her ability to lead OpenAI during this transitional period. OpenAI's board of directors cons consists of OpenAI, Chi, yeah, 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 okay. And basically from there, the only other thing that's of note is that Greg Brockman will be stepping down as chairman of the board and will re remain in his role at the company reporting to the CEO. So that is some major leadership sh changes going on at OpenAI. Their next few moves are gonna be very, very interesting. We'll have to see how that goes. Someone in chat mentions Disney. I actually didn't pay very close attention to Disney when they had their leadership change, but they definitely did need it because they were alienating. They were alienating a lot of people in the direction they were going. But while OpenAI ponders their future, Unity speaking of companies that took drastic changes has reshifted themselves first off they announced a new version of the unity engine which will now include the runtime fees so no one's going to touch it at least if they can avoid it and the new version of unity also includes muse 
which gives developers the power of generative AI that is, quote, useful and ethical. Because this generative AI that generates assets generates it from other Unity projects. Oh yeah, it also draws from Open Diffusion, which is absolutely not ethical and actually just steals art to go ahead and generate its stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Unity, Unity. You were starting to dig out. Why? Why did you decide to yourself, yes. Yes. We need to dig deeper. That. That's what we need to do. We need to dig our hole even deeper. Who thought this? Like, who thought this for just a moment? <sighs> All right, well, Unity, uh, good job. Good luck with that. That being said, YouTube now is also going in on AI. Debuting an AI tool that mimics vocals and just generates music. Because randomly generated YouTube garbage was not plentiful enough on the YouTube platform. You can now use an AI tool that will generate music based on consenting artists. You know what? At least, uh... At least the artist that, um, at least the artist consented to this. There is at least that. That's... I'm just more surprised that T-Pain consented to this. I'm not too surprised of many of the other ones, but just, okay then. Now, here's my question. I'm gonna ask this before someone in chat most likely steals this question. Can I keep hitting the generate button? Consider that my original sound and then just copyright strike anyone who uses this tool at all because I went ahead and just kept hitting this muffin button until I created all possible combinations. I'm just asking, you know, the, the YouTube space is one where uh, a lot of people don't want to think anymore. And quite often we get nonsense like this. Look, if a, you know what kept this podcast off YouTube for the longest time? It was the fact that the abandoned piece of music I have at the very end of this podcast kept getting copyright striked by not the original artist, but people who stole the track for themselves 
for a cr for a really crappy rap and then claimed it was their original work when in fact it wasn't they stole the music from the same source i did from the original creator that abandoned it and said they don't care who uses it There's literally only two people that can claim that track. And everyone who kept claiming it was not one of those two. It's either the original creator or Square Enix. Those are the only two people that can actually claim the ending of my podcast as their work. And both of them don't care. Just saying. <sighs> you know what's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. You know people are just going to go ahead, generate a ton of pieces, and then try to just copyright claim anyone using this tool. I guarantee it. We'll see how it ends up going. I just, it's just, to me, it's the easiest prediction on the planet. Now, how much time do I have left in this? You know what? I'm actually going to take a break here because we still have a lot more AI to go through and not a lot of time left in this segment. When we come back, I'm just gonna give you the headline of this next story. Google shopping will hallucinate AI products and then find you something real to buy. Just take that headline into your head and realize that is what we're about to go up against. We'll be right back. All right, Future Eagle here with some breaking news. Um, This is interesting, to say the least. We spoke earlier in the podcast, or for me it's yesterday, but I digress, about how Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, was ousted and rather... Um, aggressively by the looks of it the board was clearly not happy with the way sam altman is working and um apparently while i was recording the podcast breaking new news was going out that in fact sam altman may be returning there is some conflicting information as to where the push for sam altman to come back as open ai ceo is coming from from what I can tell, it looks like a push by the investors to have Sam Altman back. Which, if that is the case, all right, here's, here's what I suspect at this time. And granted, this is very early. This is, I mean, you have news developing on a weekend cycle. Nobody who actually investigates this sort of stuff is currently working other than the real tryhards, and they're not going to be reporting until Monday. So we're not going to know until next week anyway. But what I suspect is going on, Fortune, Fortune here is suspecting that um, the push to bring Sam Altman back is by investors, which include Microsoft. This seems like the most likely, like some, like some, like, like the Verge very early on was saying the board is in discussion for them to, for Sam to return as CEO. And the Verge even had a freaking super clickbaity tweet saying like, 
The board is begging Sam to return. That makes no sense. Why would they oust him as aggressively as they did and then beg him to come back? That makes no sense. That's a sign of a dysfunctional board. The, the investors demanding Sam come back would suggest something that's more plausible and spells something very concerning for the future of OpenAI. Because now you have a board that is unhappy with the way Sam Altman was directing the company because they wanted to get rid of him and were not thrilled with the way he operated, and investors that want the direction that Sam Altman was taking OpenAI to continue the norm. So you're going to have an OpenAI company that is going to be running in a direction it doesn't want to do. And let me tell you, if I did, I shouldn't need to tell anyone this, but if you're running in a direction you don't want to run, you're not going to do whatever that is very well at all. And this is not a good sign for the future of OpenAI, especially since, you know, you still have the issue, the fact that large language models that OpenAI is based on still have a tendency to have hilariously bad hallucinations. And well, you have this kind of turmoil going on, on the inside. It's kind of going to be bad for the advancement of this technology. And it might mean that someone more nefarious could end up sneaking in and stealing that top spot from that OpenAI has. So that is all I have to report currently until something else breaks while I'm doing the editing. So back to the rest of the podcast. All right, Future Eagle here again. Even more future -er than the last Future Eagle. I'm still going to keep the old one in just because um, I do want the timeline of all this breaking news to come out. But um, that the the future eagle that spoke earlier was like 10 a.m. eagle on Saturday. This is now 2 a.m. eagle on Monday. And uh, the main reason why I am quietly, and I do want to stress quietly, in this case recording this, is um, news just dropped like about a half hour ago. We now know who the new OpenAI CEO, CEO is going to be. It is not going to be Sam Altman. It is, in fact, going to be, oddly enough, Emmett Shear, as reported by C CNBC, Dextro, and many different sources. Um, I'm too tired right now to go get the board room meeting thing. The God, the news post from OpenAI directly, but um, yeah, um, OpenAI is named that they're going to be having the former Twitch head Emmett Shear as its new CEO. Why? For those of you who don't understand just how stupid of a move this is, Emmett Shear is the old CEO of Twitch. He basically held the position and did nothing with Twitch to innovate it, did the bare minimum, 
and barely ran the company until finally he was replaced by current CEO Dan Clancy, who is in fact actually actively communicating with streamers, with the company, with everyone, and is actually starting to turn Twitch around on its very slow slide. You want this guy, the guy who took the de facto place to stream, let all kinds of hacks happen, let all kinds of mismanagement happen. You want this guy to lead OpenAI when your investors, allegedly, we still don't know who where the push to bring back the old CEO came from. I have to assume, if it did exist, that it wasn't just some rumblings, that it was the investors, that's the only way that makes sense. You're going to bring on a far more unqualified CEO to run the head company in AI development. Literally, I, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes with Sam Altman that made the board want to get rid of him. But um, yeah, this is a bad idea completely. That's that's my two thoughts on this. This roller coaster is really nuts. I've now got to go re-edit the podcast. I was about to go ahead. I was literally, not figuratively, literally about to go kill all the lights, start uploading the podcast, and then say that's it. Now I'm going to have to delay the podcast. There's no way the render and the upload is going to be done in time. But... The more back to it again. The run just ugh. anyway. That's it from Future Eagle. Back to Present Eagle, who's much more well rested. I need a nap. I need to actually go to bed. Holy cow! This is madness. Okay, two a.m. Eagle here again. It's now two thirty a.m. I was just about to close everything up, and a breaking news bulletin came up on CNBC. I really need some sleep, and this is driving me nuts. But um, this is all kind of urgent because of everything going on. Um, a new update has, in fact, um, come up in regards to the OpenAI situation. Sam Altman, the former CEO of OpenAI, has been announced by Microsoft's CEO that he will... that. Sam Altman will be hired as the lead for Microsoft's new AI team. This, this is going to be, if this is all correct and nothing interferes with all of this between, I already forgot his name. There we go. After Emmett Shear being um, uh, hired on to be the CEO of OpenAI, which is not a great management decision. And Sam Altman, again, I don't know what, what Sam Altman did to piss off the board of OpenAI, but he clearly did something that they really didn't like. And hopefully we'll get some more details about that after the fact, but... Sam Altman is going to be the new lead of Microsoft's AI team. 
which is a excellent move by Microsoft. I'm not going to lie. That's freaking brilliant. And former failure CEO of Twitch is going to be the CEO over at OpenAI. Again, if nothing interferes at the very last minute, this whole thing is rather surprising. All right. There is now nothing else that can interfere. I'm actually going to bed and you're going to enjoy the rest of the podcast. Wow. Just, just wow. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, first things first, I, I actually did find a statement made by Rivian that, that was uh, in regards to what happened over there. The exact statement is as follows. Hi, all. We, we made an error with the 2023.24 OTA update. A fat finger where the wrong build with the wrong security certificates was sent out, we canceled the campaign and will restart it with the proper software that went through the different campaigns of beta testing. The service will be contacting the impacted customers and will go through the resolution options that may require physical repair in some cases. This is on us. We messed up. Thanks for the support and your patience as we go through this. Update one. The issue impacts on the infotainment system. In most cases, the rest of the vehicle systems are still operational. The vehicle reset or sleep cycle will not resolve the issue. We are validating the best options to address the issue for the impacted vehicles. Our customer support team is prioritizing support for our customers related to the issue. Thank you. So it's, they're not going into details on how they messed up, but it definitely sounds like uh, their process for validation of this is uh very very lacking to say the least unless there was someone at the very tail end just grabbed the i mean i've done that before we've actually had several times more often than i want to admit the wrong eagle eyes on tech episode gain uploaded and an older one that like the old file just wasn't overwritten by the new one that finished going out of the editor and the old version ended up getting uploaded again. That's happened to us a couple of times, but I'm one guy that just keeps using us when referring to the team of just me, myself, and I. So, we. Meanwhile, though, I want to talk about a very stupid Reddit post. All right? This Reddit post is driving me insane because there are tons of very forward thinking or allegedly forward thinking individuals in the tech space citing this Reddit post and saying that you need to go ahead and get off Chrome and switch to Firefox. Okay. Here's the Reddit post. It is saying that Google confirms they will disable uBlock origin in Chrome in 2024. Now this sounds really bad, right? Okay. This sounds like, okay. Google is going to 
in fact, just completely get rid of uBlock and everyone would assume then any kind of ad blocker in Google entirely. So you need to go ahead and switch to Firefox. All right, that is what is implied here. Okay. And it makes some sense. Google has been pushing very hard against ad blockers in YouTube. So, you know, that whole push seems like it matches, right? Here is the thing though. Every single person trying to push that you need to dump Google Chrome and it's all because of this is an actual is either stupid or intentionally misinforming to get more people off Chrome. And I say this as someone that says you really should try and get off Chrome and Chrome-based browsers. I actually would encourage people to switch over to Firefox since it's one of the only browsers left that actually is based on itself. Why do I say that this is actually intentional misinformation or people are just stupid trying to push this. The second line in the post says, Google confirms they will disable MV2 extensions, including uBlock origins in mid 2024, citing the developer blog from Chrome, talking about the transition to MV3. For those of you who don't understand, Google confirms they will in fact get rid of uBlock Origin that uses MV2 extensions because they are going to be switching to MV3 instead of MV2. This is the equivalent of saying, I am going to no longer buy gasoline because I now have an electric car. Of course you're gonna disable the old uBlock origin. It's not gonna be compatible. No, <laughs> Google is not gonna just straight up block uBlock origin just because. <laughs> They want to block uBlock Origin. They're going to disable old uBlock Origin because it's not going to be compatible with the new extension type. Odds are, for legal reasons, they definitely have to do this. When uBlock Origin makes the transition to MV3, uBlock Origin will be back again. And I'm not, I counted at least a dozen of people on the artist formerly known as Twitter trying to say that Google is a monster. They're, tr they're going to disable uBlock Origin and they are just, oh man, the, Google's a monster. They're, ju they're just gonna go ahead and block your ability to, it all makes sense because they make their money on ads, you see? Oh my God, they're gonna go ahead and block uBlock or Origin. You idiots. That's not what they're doing at all. And I say this as someone who would rather see more and more market share go to Mozilla Firefox. Just for 
crying out loud. Maybe, just maybe, if you want to go ahead and actually make your argument as to why more people should use Firefox instead of Chrome, because having diversity in the space of web browsers makes that one company, Google, doesn't have the monopoly of all internet traffic in existence. Maybe you shouldn't be spreading misinformation and thus making yourself look like a freaking idiot. This kind of stuff, although it might scare a lot of people to go ahead and change over to Firefox, you are risking so much that it actually is not worth it in the grand scheme of things. You are ruining the credibility and this kind of misinformation needs to stop. Just stop it. Let's talk about Apple. How many of you know about the controversy of green chat bubbles versus blue chat bubbles? Now put down your hands. I can't see your hands at all. Again, audio podcast. I can't see you. For those of you who don't know, and didn't raise your hands because you knew this was an audio podcast. If you use an iPhone and you use the messaging app, when you get messages from non-iPhone users, they come up in a green bubble, end up having formatting issues. This used to include actually big text messages being split and sometimes being thrown out of order, and some features like emotes and whatnot not displaying correctly because they used an old format called, uh, what was it, SMS? I'm forgetting my acronyms now that it matters. Because it used an old format called SMS. Whereas if you were talking an iPhone to an iPhone, your chat bubbles would appear perfectly fine because you're using the iMessage protocol, and these would show up in blue. Well, this brings us to nothing. What is nothing? Well, nothing is what happens when I blow up everything. Also, nothing is a phone company. Yes, the jokes write themselves. But nothing who makes a very strange looking phone, wanted to go ahead and do something so that in fact, their messaging application shows up as blue bubbles to iPhone users. So that this social stigma, and this is especially the case with, um, with uh, the younger crowd of having your chat bubble show up in Blue in whether it being green or blue to iPhone users is gone. So on nothing phones now, which actually is something, by the way, a nothing phone is not nothing. A nothing phone is something in case that's still confusing. It's not confusing. I just want to confuse you. The phone's called nothing. How can I not make fun of it? Anyway, nothing has launched nothing messaging. 
which I don't know. I'm running out of caffeine. I can't think of anything um, clever to do with that one. What nothing messaging is doing is that it sends its messages to iPhone users using a method that will actually have their chat bubbles show up in the iMessage protocol. What does that mean? It means on the nothing phone, your chat bubbles to other iPhone users will show up as blue. Well, if you're in the younger crowd that's, that cares about that kind of stigma, that's huge. That's a game changer. How do they do it? Does anyone want to take a guess how they do it? Just take a guess. Take a guess how this company went ahead and figured out a way to spoof the iMessage protocol so that Apple devices see the nothing phone as an iPhone. It's very simple. They use Apple servers. They have a, they you they partner up with a company that has racks upon racks upon racks of Mac minis that you basically text your message to this Mac mini and then the Mac mini Text the message using iMessage. So essentially you're giving your Apple credentials to a foreign cloud service that's using just a wall of little Mac minis. And it kind of is a, a, a bit of a security risk. Like anyone who's really concerned about their data you are forwarding all your text messages through a Mac mini in an unknown place over in nowhere. So that might be a concern for a number of people, but I'm telling you for the young crowd that lives in blissful ignorance of everything that harvests your data constantly, I guarantee you this is gonna be a huge deal for that younger crowd. Like, I'm not even kidding. It might be enough to actually put nothing on the map. Or then again, it might not matter at all because Apple has in fact announced that they're going to be supporting RCS anyway. All right, Eagle, you've used way too many acronyms. What the heck is RCS? So right now we've talked about SMS the current text messaging protocol that's used between Android phones and iPhones. iPhones use iMessage to communicate with each other. Do you know what Android phones use to connect, communicate with each other? I'll give you a hint. It's not SMS. SMS is so old that, well, I was using SMS on a flip phone. 
That's how old of a protocol SMS is. RCS or rich communication services is what Android phones use to communicate to each other. And that is why Android phone text messages get so garbled up between Android phones and iPhones because it then takes the RCS communication, downgrades it to SMS, and then ports it in. So basically, how how iPhones were communicating, or how Android and iPhones were communicating is that you'd take the message, all right? You'd, you'd take like the note, like so, and rather than just handing the crisp and clean note to someone, they'd crumple it up into a ball, shoot it like a paper ball basket, and then the iPhone has to uncrumple it and then try to figure out what the heck it said. It's awful. So Apple finally doing this, there's still gonna be blue bubbles and green bubbles because there's no way Apple's gonna let that stigma of you filthy plebs daring to use a non-iPhone to talk to each other. Oh, they love that stigma because it, it shames non-iPhone users by their peers to go get iPhones. I guarantee you it's still going to be green and blue bubbles. But at the very least, it's going to be a clean green sticky note coming to you instead of a crumpled up hard to read one. So, huzzah! Huzzah, huzzah. Finally, Apple's going to go ahead and finally get with the modern age. I'm sure there's probably some, knowing Apple, there's probably some features that RCS does that iMessage doesn't. Just because that seems like a very Apple thing to do already. Meanwhile, though, reports are coming in that iOS is going to allow European users to sideload applications in all because of the brand new Digital Markets Act that is going into effect starting in the middle of 2024. For those who don't understand what the heck sideloading is, allow me to explain. On Android phones and iPhones, normally the way you get your applications is that you go to either the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and you download your apps, all right? And usually those apps are either very basic sort of things or they're garbage mobile games. It's one of the two, all right? But let's pretend you wanna do something wacky you wanted to go ahead and get an application that's not really approved on the App Store. You can do something called sideloading. And it is in fact how on my own Android phone, how I got a Super Nintendo emulator on my Android phone. On Android phones, you can do this. You can go ahead and sideload applications. 
You just, it's also actually how I got the application that controls my gimbal on my phone as well. Because for whatever reason, the gimbal software wasn't on the app store. Probably because it costs a hundred bucks to be on the app store. Apple does not have that option. However, the recent regulation within the EU forces Apple to now allow this. This means that very suddenly, European iPhones are going to be drastically different than American ones. And that's going to be really, really interesting. We'll have to see if there ends up being a market for people just trying to go ahead and buy European iPhones just to get around this sort of thing and try to do things like putting a Super Nintendo emulator on their, on their iPhone. Because, I mean, come on. This is, this is way better than any mobile game out there. In all 16 bits of it. And also, let's see how many jailbreaking holes it creates. Yeah, someone kind of mentioned, kind of mentioned in the chat. These, there's also going to be changes coming to Windows because of this as well. Including the ability to uninstall various system apps within Windows 10 and 11, including things like your camera app, your calendar app, clock, Cortana. I got Cortana still there. Cortana is dead, by the way. Cortana, the virtual assistant within Windows 10 and 11, is complete. I actually don't know if Cortana's in Windows 11. It might be gone in Windows 11, but in 10, it's still there. Cortana's still there. It is not supported in any way, shape, or form, and is basically dead weight within it and you cannot uninstall it that change is going to be coming to windows all thanks to the digital markets act to which i say huzzah 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 there are some reports saying that this is only going to affect systems within the eu to which i say that's incredible that is what I wish I could just like segue into like saying, and that's where today's sponsor such and such VPN comes in. Unfortunately, I don't have an available sponsorship for a VPN. <laughs> Otherwise that would tie in perfectly, but that's what people are going to do. They're just going to VPN over to freaking name a place in the European union. They're just going to VPN their way over there. And just say, all right, I'm there. And then all of a sudden windows me like, Oh, I better allow you to do this. Otherwise then I'm not complying with the law. And then just go do, 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 just uninstall a whole bunch of stuff. There's going to be a way around all this stuff. Cause it's all just software, but we're actually going to take one last break here. I know it's a little early, but when we come back, I want to talk about the game awards, Amazon wanting to go ahead and let you buy cars and AI girlfriends. We still got a lot to cover. We will be back.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We have um, the the nominations for the Game Awards of 2023. I'm not entirely sure when they're going to be, but we now do have them. And, uh, you know, some of these are a little strange to me. Like, probably one of the biggest things to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, does it seem weird to anyone else that Resident Evil 4, a remake of an old game, is in the running for Game of the Year? Like, sir, I, I get why. I get why Alan Wake 2 is there. I especially get why Baldur's Gate 3 is there. In fact, I'm willing to bet money on this list. Baldur's Gate 3 is probably going to win. I get why Marvel Spider-Man 2 is there. I get why Super Mario Brothers Wonder is there. Although I kind of disagree with that one. I get why Legend, I get why Tears of the Kingdom is there. But really? A remake? A remake beat out many of the other brand new games that came out. Chat saying it's a good remake. It's, it's still a remake. That's going to be your game of the year? Really? Imagine if a refresh of a car won car of the year. That is just basically the exact same car as it was before with some minor tweaking. Someone in chat says a good remake is a new game on its own. That's, is it really that good though? Is it really? I, I don't know how big of a remake this is. I don't know if it, is it like on the same level as like say the FF7 remake where it literally is a totally different game than the original. Because here's the thing, there's no remake in its title. It's literally just Resident Evil 4. Someone in chat says it adds, it gives plenty to rediscover, but it's not a new game. It adds. I'd say that's a very controversial pick to say that that's in running for game of the year. I don't think it's going to matter. Because I think Baldur's Gate 3, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to run away with it. It's a very strange addition. And it's one that jumps out like a, it jumps out as like one of these things is not like the other. And many of the other ones are just kind of what you expect. Best game direction. We've got 
Well, everyone except Resident Evil 4 in the running for that one. Best narrative. Alan Wake 2, Baldur Gate 3, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy 16. How did Final Fantasy 16 get shoved out of the running compared to a remake? Marvel Spider-Man 2, Best Art Direction, Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Brothers 1. How did Lies of P not get in compared to, anyway. But yeah, the rest of it, the rest of, the, of, of everything makes sense. Except for one. One thing that almost universally... Got everyone going, wait, what? Is in best community support. Best community support. Let's actually say it. Let's say the words correctly. Baldur's Gate 3. Cyberpunk 2077. Final Fantasy 14. No Man's Sky. And then the big massive WTF in the room Destiny 2 Look, I'll tell you this right now, FF14 is not winning best community support. Most likely Baldur's Gate 3 is going to win it. I just I just want to know Destiny 2, the the game that has disappointed fans again and again and again, has trouble communicating, but had one moment the entire year, one moment of listening to the community and doing a hot fix. How is that in the running for best community support? That is like saying best engine that listens to its customers. Unity. Seems a little, uh, seems a little weird, doesn't it? But, you know, that's that. And then, of course, everything else, you know, we have best indie game, we have best indie, best debut indie. Most likely, I'm willing to bet if most likely those two categories have the same winner, which makes the question, why are they there? But I digress. Best mobile game, so best loser. I'm sorry, it's going to be. Actually, you know what? No. I, I have a hot take here for uh, best mobile game. I want Hello Kitty Island Adventure to win only for the memes. Look, that game was brought into existence thanks to South Park years ago. And now that it actually exists, I want to see it win and beat out World of Warcraft on something. I want to see Hello Kitty and Island Adventures get more awards than World of Warcraft now. It has a chance. Best VR AR game, you know, no, no real surprise there. Best action game, best action adventure game, best RPG. Yeah, there, Baldur's Gate 3, FF16. I'm just going to tell you, any category that Baldur's Gate is in, more likely than not, 
Baldur's Gate 3 is going to win every category that it's actually in. I just strongly suspect it just because it has such a strong just such a strong fan oh hey advanced advanced wars reboot camps actually in the category best sim strategy game unfortunately skylines 2 is going to beat it out but hey my advanced war buddies are in there somewhere you get the point though okay everything here seems perfectly fine on the up and up there's just like one or two this time around that's going to be in there. <laughs> Again, a remake. I mean, fair, but it's not trying to win for best game. It's trying to compete in a, in a dead uh, category. God, I wish that wasn't the case, though. We need more strategy games. There's just none. And the rest of the categories nobody cares about. Other than content creator of the, of the year. Someone's going to care about that. I don't know who though. My question is though, where's the category for best layoffs of the year? There's a category with some serious spice in it. But it is what it is. We'll cover that when it happens. We'll see if this time around, if there's going to be some guy spouting nonsense that just walked up like he owned the place this year round. Someone in chat asked, where's the least abuse staff, staff award? Yeah, there's a real good question. Someone in chat says, Wonder took so many categories. It looks like they just said, here's a bag of money. Give us nominations. I don't, the thing is that I don't think Nintendo cares enough to do that sort of thing. Like, let's actually take a look at all the categories uh, Wonder ended up in. All right, Wonder ended in, in game of the year. I, I think... Look, if I'm going to gripe about Resident Evil 4 not being in there, Super Mario Brothers Wonder also is like a very close second to that. Because, man, Wonder is just like yet another Mario game. They're then in Best Game Direction, which is just everyone in Game of the Year except for Resident Evil 4. They are then in Best Art Direction. I, I'll defend that one. Mario Brothers Wonder does have a different art direction. I mean, they took a Mario game and made it look like an acid trip. So that one I, I can understand. Um, is that it? They're in best family category. All right, that's four. That one I also understand. They are in best multiplayer. They must not want to put like 
MMOs in there for best multiplayer. Because there you got Baldur's Gate 3, Diablo 4, Party Animals, Street Fighter 6, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yeah, okay, that makes some sense. I feel like there's better multiplayer ones to put in there, but they might not want to put, like... Um... Like, MMO or, like, service games in there. Oh, but then Diablo 4 is in there, so I don't know. Um... That's five. I think that's it. I think that's all there is in there. It's, it's not like they shifted into a whole bunch of them that seems really iffy. Other than I don't think they belong in Game of the Year, and I don't think best game direction. Game direction is a little more defendable, but you know. It doesn't really stand out as like being very... Super Mario Bros. bought their way into it. The ones they're in make sense. Like, if they were in best score in music, come on. How do you justify that? It's, but it's not there, by the way. It's not like uh, Mario's in best performance. There you got Ben Starr of FF16. You've got... That's the only name I recognize. They say it looks a lot worse than the voting. I don't have the voting page in front of me, so I can't judge it based on the voting. We're going to move on, though, because my dinner's getting cold and it's sitting right next to me and smelling delicious. Amazon is trying to push for a new product category. And that product category is cars. Yep. Amazon has partnered up with Hyundai to allow online purchasing of cars. They're trying to creep into Carvana's territory that Carvana is very quickly losing favoritism as people are kind of realizing the kind of nonsense they're up to. So now Amazon wants to get into that category too of online shopping for cars, getting in touch with a dealership to get you into a predatory loan what could possibly go wrong but here's the best part for me okay see here where i live in wisconsin there's actually this is this literally is illegal you literally cannot do this in the state of wisconsin and there's several other states that have this law too, where cars must be bought from a dealership. In fact, here in the state of Wisconsin, you cannot buy a Tesla at all. Tesla only sells directly. They do not sell through a dealership. And thus, if I wanted to go ahead and be brain-addled enough to want to go ahead and buy a Polygon, I have to go and drive down to Illinois, then whip out my phone, then buy a Tesla, and then drive back home. And then pick up my Tesla down in Illinois somewhere. And then ask myself, why the heck did I buy a, a, a Polygon?
keep in mind, what's even better about this is that Amazon trying to sell cars. This is a week after they finalized their selling health insurance thing. Remember that? So now they're selling health insurance. They're selling knockoff Chinese goods. They're selling on-brand Chinese goods. They're selling things you never knew existed. They sell books. What doesn't Amazon sell? Someone in chat said life insurance is next. Oh, no, 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 no. Next, they're going to sell car insurance. That's just going to go hand in hand with the cars they're going to sell. That's first. Then the life insurance for when you crash your car. We got to go in like some kind of order. Let's just see how... Remember back when we thought like Google was going to be Skynet? Man, we showed us. Turns out Amazon was the correct answer. Amazon is in fact going to be Skynet. Meanwhile, we turn to the sillier stories. I give you a ransomware group that went ahead and reported their victim to SEC regulators that they were hit with ransomware. Yes, you heard that right. A ransomware group hacked a company and then reported the company as being hacked by ransomware. Now, this sounds incredibly stupid. This sounds like a guy broken, stole your stuff, and then went to the police to report that they stole my stuff. Like, this sounds incredibly stupid, but this is actually incredibly clever because the reason they went ahead and reported it it's so that now the regulators are now looking at the company and then going to do an investigation which is then extra incentive for all these problems to go away by just paying the ransom. This very quickly went from a zero IQ play to a thousand IQ play. Once you start connecting all the dots, I gotta say, That is a dick move, but I got to give him credit. That is a really, really clever dick move. And yes, this was going to be the last burb story until I read the whole thing and then realized, oh, freaking brilliant and in like a serious way not a really sarcastic way like I usually say brilliant 
Which then brings us to the actual last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Where tons upon tons of users cannot talk to their ver- their girlfriend. It's tragic. Cut off from their romantic relationship. An event happened where their love interest could no longer be talked to because the CEO in charge of the because of the AI so here's 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 the thing all right I got distracted for a bit because someone in chat said is twitch down and I had to like double check to make sure and I lost my train of thought so I lost where I was going to go with it Users are unable to speak to their girlfriend because their girlfriend is AI. Their girlfriend is 100% virtual. And the AI service was shut down all because the CEO was arrested for arson. Ah, yes. I'm sorry. I, I, I had to... I'm, I'm single again. I had to cut off ties with my old girlfriend. Because my girlfriend was fake. And uh, the person behind creation of the AI girlfriend... Was arrested for committing arson... <laughs> this feels like a, a headline. That was created by AI. But the AI goes by the name of Karen AI, which by the way, if your AI is a Karen, you need a new AI. And well, after he's being, after he's being arrested for arson, all of his computers and property was brought in as evidence to figure out why he committed arson, including the server that powers Karen AI. Slow freaking clap. I just gotta ask. When there is the court case to go ahead and try to convict the CEO for committing arson. Is Karen AI going to be brought to the stand to testify? Because if so, I demand a copy of that transcript because that would be amazing and really just be a sign that we definitely definitely live in a society folks that is going to do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech thank you so much for listening and i do encourage you to check out my other works at youtube.com slash eagle falcon 
and my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Even though we're going to be taking a bit of a hiatus on Twitch for a couple of days as we approach the Thanksgiving holiday and I actually have to cook, but we'll still be there and having a lot of fun regardless. Take care, and hopefully I'll see you then. Good night, everyone. Good night. You know, I think I've just figured it out, okay? What actually happened, all right? It's not that the CEO went to jail for arson. You see, Karen, the AI, gave the CEO a new recipe on how to cook turkey, and then he followed it letter to letter at someone else's house, which unfortunately involved dunking a frozen turkey into a deep fat fryer, and that caused a massive explosion and that set fire to his target's house. It wasn't all an attempt at arson. No, it, it was all an AI hallucination caused by his crazy AI girlfriend. Of course, it all makes sense. Oh, why was that this friend's house to go ahead and cook this turkey several weeks before Thanksgiving? I have no idea. And I also base this all on I just made it up. But still, you just can't get over the headline. Users can't speak to virtual a the viral AI girlfriend because Karen AI CEO is in jail for arson. I, you, you can't make that up. It's incredible.